Have you ever read a book and thought to yourself, I could explain this to someone else, but maybe there's a few things that I want explained back to me. I'll be sitting down with authors, thought leaders, visionaries. I'm your host, Josh Lipstone. This is Explain This Book to Me. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Josh Lipstone, and this is Explain This Book to Me. Today is book four, episode three. I am joined once again by the co-author of the book, The Visual Sale, Tyler Lassard. Welcome back to the podcast, Tyler. How are you today? Thank you very much, Josh. I am great. It's great to be here again to uh, continue our conversation. Very good. Um, Now, before we dive into the book today, I want to ask you a question. Please. Now, for people who are considering writing a book, what is one piece of advice that you would give them that they may not think that you would give to them? Something that's a little that you kind of discovered through this process and you thought, I need to really tell someone about this. You're probably not as good a writer as you think you are. (laughs) I learned, Josh, the hard way through my process. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not a classically trained writer, I will admit. Uh, And so bringing my experience Mm -hmm. and, and knowledge to this topic Um, You know, I had preconceived notions about how good a writer I may have been. And in working with a Mm -hmm. proper editor made all the difference in the world. They brought me to life in my words. They chopped down what I said by about 50%. And that value of having a great editor is so, so important if Mm -hmm. you plan to write it yourself, if you're not yourself a, uh, a writer by trade. (laughs) <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, I was not expecting that one. I was not expecting that one. So that is uh, that is very good advice. It's full transparency. Right, I'd love to say I'm. Uh, you know. <laughs> exactly. So loyal readers take that to heart. All right. Now, for those of you who are keeping score at home, we are recording this episode on Friday, February 12, 2021. Uh, so let's go ahead and get started explaining this book to me. All right, so the next part that we have uh, is part five, um, which is using video marketing in the consideration and decision stages. Now, back in episode two of the uh, of this book, we discussed you know what the buyer's journey looked like and how it's a four stage process. So, as a quick reminder, loyal readers, here's the four stage process: you have awareness, you have then consideration. Third is decision, and then fourth is post-sale retention, upsell, and referral. And so in episode two, we covered the awareness stage. So in this next part, this part five, we're going to be discussing the consideration and decision stage. Then we're going to move into part six, where we're going to talk about the post-sale stage. So I felt after the last episode that it flowed really well um, with basically focusing on the chapters that were the checklist. And so that's what we're going to be doing today. So for part five, there are three checklists that you have. Chapter 41, uh, which is the website video checklist. Chapter 45, video and email marketing checklist. And then chapter 53, visual story, visual customer stories checklist. All right. How does that sound, Tyler? That sounds great. Those are some big areas. They are. They are. So let's go ahead and jump into the first one, which is the video, the website video checklist. So we're going to be summarizing chapters 33 to 40. So you write that this checklist outlines the most critical battle tested best practices on how to use video content on your website. So the first one that you have is use explainers to best describe the problems you solve in a clear and memorable way. So Explainer videos, they're educational videos, they're one of the four E's. These videos will show your prospect or your clients how you solve problems. And these videos can either be animated or live action, which reminds me of Disney when you said animated or live action, and they're about a one to two minute long uh, videos. Um, so you can ask as the guide and walk the, or you act as the guide and walk the person through the journey. So you write that research suggests that the majority of the consideration say is pretty much done as a self-service. Um, and that's something that we did go over in episode two. So if you want to learn more, go back, re-listen that one. Um, so these explainer videos, they are that you produce, they're going to be that sales rep that never sleeps. Now, Tyler, I have a question for you. Do you enjoy cooking? 
I do enjoy cooking. Okay. So I, when I was on page 136 of the book and you said that you just wanted to shout at your computer screen, just show me already. It reminds me of any cooking blog that I ever go to. And it's like, I just want to learn how to make the yes. mushroom risotto. I don't want to know that you forage for them. So yeah, I don't know. If, I don't know if that was just me, but I, I, I thought I would ask. All right. So let's get back into the book. And I want to talk about Uber Flip. Um, and how they made their videos for the website. Can you t tell the loyal readers about Uber Flip and how they use these explainer videos um, to help them out? Yeah, it's, that's a wonderful story that uh, I was able to dig up in, in working with some businesses that I'm familiar with. Mm -hmm. And, you know, many of us, uh, the idea of an explainer video, I think, is it's fairly straightforward, as you suggested. It's a short video to help explain, as per the name, mm -hmm. what it is that you can offer and the problem that you can help solve. And the goal with most explainer videos is to give somebody that you know quick overview and have them walk away with that good appreciation for what it is that you can help with. Now, in the case of Uberflip, what I thought was really interesting was they decided to not only use that explainer video as an opportunity to educate that first E we talked mm -hmm. about, but also mm -hmm. as a way to entertain, to create an emotional resonance with their audience mm -hmm. and to almost show them, you know, hey, we're, we're real people too, uh, and to create that kind of connection. And they developed uh, a series of explainers across their website that were all connected through a sort of a similar storyline to explain what it is they do, but in a very fun, humorous way that, mm -hmm. you know, as you're watching these, you can't help but laugh a little bit. You can't help but very much relate to the story that's playing out. And by the end of it, I found at the end of the first explainer, I was like, give me more. Like, I, I want to watch more. Yep. This is like, this is, this is not only educational, it's entertaining. And I can't wait to see what happens in the next, you know, episode, if you will. It almost felt like I was watching, you know, Disney yes. or Netflix. And I think that exactly. was part of the real magic of, of what they did. And they brought these ideas to life through this really fun approach to storytelling that you don't see in a typical explainer video. And I think that's what made it really stick out to me as a tremendous example. Yeah. And there are three key takeaways that you wrote at the end of this chapter. Um, so loyal readers, they are when trying to explain what you do, a fresh set of eyes can make all the difference because they did partner with a company called One Method. Um, number two, people, uh, business people are people first. And then number three, when you nail the four E's, you end up with something special. All right. Moving on to the second um bullet point or the second check mark or box for uh, the video website video checklist. We have used deep dive videos to showcase what you do and how you do it. So you write that people who visit your website do so for a very specific reason, which is to learn about you and your business. So you recommend that businesses stop hiding behind the contact sales button and give your visitors deep dive videos. You want to provide them with on-demand self-service experiences to answer all the questions they may have. And you write that once a prospect has decided that they, they're interested in potentially working with your business, so they move from the awareness stage. And this doesn't mean that they necessarily want to talk to a sales rep. And this is why request a demo or book a meeting type of call to actions have very low conversion rates. Now, Tyler, can you tell the loyal readers what are some examples of different calls to actions that they can use instead and how they can utilize these deep dive videos in the process? Yeah, and Josh, this goes back to what we had started with about this just show me already idea. Mm -hmm. And I can relate to how you spoke to it <laughs> as somebody looking at, at recipes. And I'm just like, just give me the recipe already, right? Mm -hmm. um, because what you do find is when I- Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And, and so when you're often on uh, websites, they will have a little bit of information talking about, and they may have an explainer video that gives you the, the high level introduction, right? This, mm -hmm. this problem is very common. You know, da 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 right. da. We can help you solve that, but then you start to dig a little bit deeper, and you go, okay, so what does this you know product or service actually offer? And often you'll see some bullet points and maybe an, an image of something, but 
you know, all of us at that curious point, we really want to dig in and go, well, l l show me, you know, just show me, like, show me how this really works. And often yeah. you're forced to say, oh, click that button to, to talk to sales. And what we have found with a lot of businesses is that instead of talk to sales or book a meeting or request a quote, they're changing those calls to action to things like see it in action or watch a demo or mm. check it out uh, or mm. hear from our customers or meet the team, right? All of these things that are, are ones that have that promise of, oh, wow, I'm actually going to get to see real people, mm. see products and services, you know, meet the, the folks behind the scenes. These are the things that I really want to get to. And I don't necessarily, again, want to have to book an hour long call mm -hmm. just to do that. So those sorts of experiences on websites are driving right. great surge in engagement for a lot of people. Yeah. And, you know, when I thought about this, you ended up writing about this, um, you know, just a couple paragraphs later, which are two objections that they may have some validity to them that you hear when you tell businesses, this is something that you should do. And the first is we need to customize our demos to their unique needs. And the second is we don't want to, our competitors to see right. what we're doing. So when someone says that, how should we respond? Or if those are objections that we have, how should we think of it differently? Yeah, so it's it is very common because they're you know people are worried about putting too much out there into the open. Um, but again, I would I would challenge mm -hmm. that to say first and foremost, if you're worried about your competitors learning about what you really do, rest assured they already know. Like it's to to think that your competitors aren't doing research on you. Uh, you know, they don't have somebody who signed up for an account mm -hmm. and gave it a try, right? It's, it's just not reality. So there aren't, you know, you don't have to show everything, right? When you do this kind of content online, you don't have to show every little piece of your secret sauce, but there is probably about 80% of what you do that is very commonly understood and known. And if you're hiding it from your competitors, mm -hmm. the problem is you're also hiding it from your potential customers. And that is very much a risk because right. you know you have no idea how many people you're actually losing from your website and never coming back because they didn't get that opportunity to learn about you up front. So I think the risk of not doing it outweighs the risk of doing it. And um, you know, to address the the concern of mm -hmm. well, we like to customize it. You know, I'm not suggesting that you don't still want to offer them. Hey talk to sales so we can walk you through it in a custom way. Right. That's going to absolutely still be a part of the process. But before that, again, there's probably 60 to 80% of what you do that's common to everybody that you don't need to customize that will give them a genuine right. view into what it is you offer. And, and that's what you need to be thinking about putting out there. Very good. Well, that leads us into the third one, which is add a short video to your pricing page to create clarity and trust. Mm -hmm. And so you write that the pricing page is typically the most visited page for a company's website, probably after our, the homepage. Um, and this is something loyal readers that we discussed in episode one with Marcus. So if you have any further questions, again, go back and listen to that one. So you recommend that you have someone from the company explain your pricing to the person watching because it helps to instill trust and transparency. And you give the example in the book about someone who is out clothes shopping and they see this great looking coat. And before the person checks to see if they have their size or maybe a different color, they're going to check to see what is the price so they can see if they can afford it. And again, it gets back to this idea of that time is valuable and working with people who don't have the budget to work with you or don't want to pay what you are charging, um, it's going to be a waste of time for both parties, not just yourself, but them as well. So with me being in the insurance industry, and the majority of the loyal readers are too, we can't give specific prices like some other companies, like you're not going to come in and you're not going to pay $100 for your car insurance, like if you went to uh, a store to buy a TV and it's $1,000 for everyone. Um, but for businesses that can and choose not to, because they want the, that person to call, they want to have that face to face, see it eyeball to eyeball. Um, what do you think about that? I mean, is it something where you think that they're hiding and they're doing a disservice to themselves? And kind of what you know made me think of this was when I joined a country club a couple of years ago, 
the only way you could find out anything about pricing was you had to talk to someone. Right. And I had no idea if it was even worth their time yeah. and my time to even have this conversation. So I could be wrong about all this. And um, <laughs> if loyal readers, if you think I'm wrong, that that they should they should put that or they shouldn't put it out. Um, and I think that they should send me an email or better yet, send me a video. Um, Josh at agency intelligence.com. Tell me I'm wrong. Um, or comment on Facebook, uh, on our, the, the explain this book to me, um, page and don't forget to like it. Um, so Tyler, what are your kind of thoughts on the fact that, you know, some people can, but they just choose not to. Yeah, I think it, it comes back to, as we've, we've mentioned, this expectation that people have and their intolerance for not being able to find the information that mm -hmm. they know is, is most valuable. And every company is a little bit different in this. And Marcus also, I think, will speak to that of, you know, not every company has, you know, simple, consistent pricing that they can just put a price sheet up online and explain it. You know, some companies do have variable pricing or they have complicated services where it's not one size fits all. Um, but there are right. always opportunities to be able to explain how your pricing works, what sorts of things go into it, and what kinds mm -hmm. of ballparks or levers people can expect. And you can you know, share that information again in various ways on your website and arm your sales team. And video can be a more compelling way to explain it because of that opportunity to create that transparency and trust. So even if you are talking about a price point that feels high to somebody, when you have somebody genuine presenting it, and explaining this is why and we're confident in that right you can you can feel that come through in those videos and again i think in in today's yep. modern business it is a the risk of not having your pricing often outweighs the risk of having it agreed um and you explain that when they're producing these videos these cost and pricing videos they need to do three things the first is address all the factors that drive the cost of your product or service up or down like you just mentioned, two, uh, discuss the marketplace in an open and honest way and why comparable products or services may be cheaper or more expensive. And then the third is talk about your product or service and why it costs what it costs. This becomes your value proposition. And then the final words in this chapter that you leave us with are seeing is believing, unless of course we're talking about Santa Claus and then it's believing is seeing. So, um, <laughs> The final final item on our uh, on our checklist for the website videos um, is use short videos to increase landing page conversion rates. So you want to add a short video to landing pages that include critical, uh, you know, you want to add it that has a form or a call to action to help you increase these conversion rates, and you'll want to feature a team member explaining the benefits of moving forward with your company and explain what they're going to have happen or what to expect after they fill out the form. Um, and for the purposes of this, you define a landing page basically as any page on your website that collects information. You know, if it's a, you know, get a quote, book a meeting, um, find out more, whatever it is, just some sort of collection form. Because a lot of people and everyone, you know, myself included, when we are on a website, we always have that moment of hesitation before we hit the submit button. Um, you know, what are they going to do with my information? Like, sell it, spam me, blow me up. Um, is it going to be even worth my time? But you do have a solution for this. Um, can you tell the loyal readers about the type of video that Jesse in the book created um, and how that was helpful and kind of what are the things that need to be included in this video? Yeah, well, it, to your point, the idea here is to uh, proactively address the potential objections somebody is going to have in moving forward on that page. Mm -hmm. Because we know, like you said, from our own experiences, when we land on a page and there's this big form asking you for your name, your email, your phone number, uh -huh. your, you know, your mother's maiden name, who knows? It's like these forms tend to get out of control. And, um, but we all know from personal experience that we have this, you know, this reaction, these objections, these obstacles that we're facing in, in doing that. So in many ways, it's as simple as that as thinking through why might somebody decide not to move forward with this call to action? And how can I proactively address those mm -hmm. in a way that is honest, that's trustworthy, um, but also creates um, that that sense of empathy with them. And that's why having a video with a real person, because if they see yeah. you genuinely smiling and saying, 
hey there, you know, welcome to our request mm -hmm. a demo page. Um, you know, we would love to be able to show you how the solution works in a way that is customized to you. So by filling out this form, we'll follow up with you and we'll ensure you get a tailored demo just to see what you are looking for, right? So whatever it is that's gonna help them understand and reinforce the value and also to create that additional level of trust. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where having a real person as part of it yeah. goes such a long way. Agreed, agreed. Well, that brings us to the end of the website video checklist. We're going to be jumping in next to the video and email marketing checklist. Mm. And you write that no matter the types of videos that you share in your email marketing, you always need to think about how video can be leveraged to increase open rate, click the rate, engagement, conversion. So we're going to be covering chapters 42 through 44. Um, so the first thing on the checklist is get creative and smart with your subject line. So you want to make it clear in your subject line that an amazing video awaits. And you want to actually incorporate the word video or watch in the subject line. And you can A-B test this using the word video at the beginning or the end of the subject line to see what resonates with your audience. Um, now, Tyler, can you give the loyal readers an example of a subject line that absolutely killed it? And it was one that you still remember. And then can you give an example of what kind of a generic subject line would be and how you would make it a more enticing to get someone to go ahead and open that email? Yeah, well, the, the general philosophy here is, is as you are doing sending these emails out to your prospects or your lists, you got to be mindful you're competing with so many other emails in their inbox and often they are just seeing that subject line and the opportunity with having a video mm -hmm. as your call to action is that opportunity to be different and to be unique and to stand out and to offer them a type of action that feels um, you know more natural to them as opposed to something that is going to require effort mm -hmm. or you know action by them so to speak and so you know for example instead of yeah sending an email that has a subject line, you know, I mean, it's as simple as read this white paper as opposed to watch this video, right? If you mm -hmm. think about how you would react to one versus the other, right. that, you know, watching a video feels a lot mm -hmm. easier and a lot more interesting than reading the white paper, right? Reading is this very active process. Watching is this very passive exactly. process. And so there's lots of ways to play with that in mm -hmm. terms of, you know, what does the subject line look like? But it's all about giving them that little teaser of, oh, you know, there's something interesting here for me. And it's, and, and frankly, not a lot of emails include a video as the thing to go and do. And so even just that can help it stand out with people. Um, so I think that's, that's really the crux of it. Gotcha. There's lots of different examples of how people do this. Um, but I think at the end of the day is just thinking through that of mm -hmm. how can I make somebody lean in because it's a little bit different, sounds interesting, and it feels less intimidating to watch something than it is to read or to download or to sign up. Exactly. What are your thoughts on using emojis or, you know, graphics or whatever in subject lines? Um, well, uh, there, there are lots of varying opinions on that. Uh, my, my recommendation is okay. it. So it, it really does depend. There is no universal truth of does it work? Does it not work? It depends yeah. on a few things, but sure. um, I would absolutely encourage people to test them and use them in different ways. And, and that's frankly, okay. so much of email marketing is that. Um, but you, you, you don't want to, I don't think you want to mm -hmm. use them all the time. Um, I think it's something that you can use periodically okay. um, that will, you know, stand out a little bit. But mm -hmm. I, I warn you, if you become that one where, you know, twice a week, these emojis are popping up, um, you know, a lot of people will, I think, get a little bit turned off by mm -hmm. that. Use them sparingly, but test them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, too, too many fist bumps are being used <laughs> in that. Um, so moving on, <laughs> um, moving on to the next item on the checklist, which is tease out your video content, but don't spoil the surprise. So you'll want to include two to three short sentences to set the context of the video and use terms like short or one minute with a call to action. Uh, the next one is a thumbnail image is worth a thousand words. And since you can't embed videos directly into email, you have to give them the next best thing, which is a thumbnail image with a visible play button or a, a GIF. Um, now, Tyler, do you pronounce it GIF or do you pronounce it GIF? What do you, how do you pronounce it? 
I pronounce it properly, which is GIF. <laughs> there you go. All right. Glad that we settled that dispute. Um, now, two questions about this. Why can't we embed videos into email and what is preventing this from ever happening? So the problem today is that the email clients, the email applications don't natively support playback of video. Mm -hmm. And generally, if you try to include a video, there's also okay. size barriers often because there'll be large media types and will often get blocked. Um, so there's all those things working against us that it's just simply not um, practical or, or in many cases feasible today to attach actual video files. Yeah. Okay. I wonder if that'll ever change in the future. Maybe it's one of those things that <laughs> won't, won't ever happen. Um, all right. Moving on to the fourth um, item on the checklist it's watch this. Don't forget to make the, uh, the main call to action clear and concise. So you want to ensure that the thumbnail image is linked to a page where the video is hosted, but also a regular hyperlink with a text or button with something like watch now or view the one minute video, just in case they don't realize they can click on that on that thumbnail. Um, the next item on the checklist is link to an optimized destination page for your video. So when the person clicks on the thumbnail or that link to watch the video, uh, make sure that the video is at the top of the page that they don't have to scroll down to find it. Um, just remember when we were talking about the food blogger, please don't be the food blogger. Don't bury your video. <laughs> And then uh, next we have consider having your video autoplay when viewers come from that email. So if you are linking to a video that's on YouTube, it's gonna automatically start playing for them. Um, but if it's on a landing page or you're hosting it on someone's platform, see if you can change the setting to autoplay. And I believe that it's it's true. Is that the setting um, that I, if I remember correctly that you're supposed to have for autoplay? Yeah, it depends on the hosting service that you're using, but most of them, okay. um, including you know a Vidyard, if you're using it, there's parameters that you can pass to it. So when the page loads, the video mm -hmm. auto plays, and yeah, this is all about just creating that low friction for the uh, for the uh, the the consumer to be able to get right into the content mm -hmm. and removing all the obstacles. There you go. And then the final item on our video and email marketing checklist is don't forget closed captions for those who prefer to read along. And to me, I think this is the biggest thing that companies can do right now, because personally, if I'm laying in bed watching a video um, and my wife's asleep, I don't want the sound on to wake her up. So if the video doesn't have closed caption, I just go on to the next video. So Tyler, have you guys at Vidyard tested to see how videos perform um, having the closed captions versus videos that don't. And what results did you guys see from that? That's a really interesting question. We don't um, unfortunately have data at our disposal on videos with and without closed captions. It's something I'm going to think about, Josh, because that's okay. a great question. Um, but to your point, I do find that in today's marketplace, it is simply an expectation of audiences. And there is, mm -hmm. there is li very little tolerance for not having closed captions. So I do think it's something that we need to consider, not just for convenience, but also for true accessibility um, for your uh, different audience members. Exactly. All right, very good. Well, let's move on to our next checklist, which is video for key campaigns and content. And so you write that when a business is wanting to maximize its reach and effectiveness of a key campaign, they need to use video to do that. So we're gonna cover chapters 46 to 49 for this checklist. So first up, we have make your product or service launch truly resonate by bringing their pain to life. And video is going to be the perfect medium to show how a new product or service can help a prospect or a client. It helps to bring the problem to life by displaying it and allows you to use one of the four E's, which is emotion. Um, now you write in chapter 46 about a problem you recognize with your time at BlackBerry. And I have to ask this, do you still use a BlackBerry phone today? <laughs> Um, I, I don't, Josh, I'm sorry. I am an iPhone user. That's okay. <laughs> okay. Well, well, we will let, we will let Jason or remind Jason that you're an iPhone, not a droid user. So and I actually looked up to see if Blackberry was still producing phones or if they were just on like, just 
creating software or, or something for that. So I did not realize you could still get a BlackBerry at some point. Um, so let's get back into the book. Um, so can you talk about the problem that you observe while working at BlackBerry and how businesses would promote a new product or a service versus the more effective way that you kind of decided to shift the focus when you guys would promote these these new products and services to your customers? Yeah, I think there's, uh, you know, I mean, there's a really fundamental concept here, which is key to, to product marketing in general and, and, mm -hmm. and our messaging strategies, uh, you know, which is very much taking that user centric value uh, approach to how we communicate ideas. And, um, you know, something that I think actually in, in many cases we did very well uh, for many years at, at BlackBerry. And since in my, you know, previous roles and current, I've, I've brought that with me is ensuring that you're always through that lens of the customer, of the user, and thinking about what is the value, what is the story, how is this helping solve their problem? Mm -hmm. And, you know, not always just thinking about, you know, educating on what this thing does, but it's how is this going to help you? And it's often right. difficult in static content to really make those stories resonate, right? So I think in, in static mm -hmm. written content, it's a lot easier to create bullet points of features of that does this, this, and that, right? And, and some of that messaging right. you do need. People wanna know, okay, what did it actually do? But video becomes this really elegant and impactful way to bring that bigger narrative to life of, you know, right. who are, you know, what is this doing for people? How is it really truly impacting them? Can you show me or can I see the outcome of, what it is that you're mm -hmm. giving me. Um, and that's where I think we right. need to be really smart about how do we bring that story to life through a medium like video while in parallel, making sure they can get the speeds and the feeds. Very good. And with that type of video, um, it's going to execute on the four E's um, and that's gonna just drive greater results. So moving on to the next uh, point on the checklist, which is use short videos to promote major content assets. So if your business has eBooks or guides or research reports that you use to generate new leads, you recommend using short videos to tease out the content to entice them to download. Tyler, can you tell the loyal readers about the video in business benchmark report that Vidyar does annually? Yeah, that's a great example that I'm sure many can relate to is, is we have, you know, different types of content and research and ebooks that, that we do mm -hmm. publish and our, our benchmark report is an annual research report that we uh, publish into our community. And like many other types of static content, we promote the direct asset in lots of different ways in our emails and some digital advertising and, and so on. Um, but what we, uh, what we found is by also creating short videos as a way to promote the asset, um, usually used mm -hmm. in our own earned our own own channels. So we're not necessarily talking about mm -hmm. paid advertisements, but short videos that gotcha. we can include in social media, that we can include in the email promotion. Instead of saying, download the report, it's check out the mm -hmm. highlights in this video, where the promise is I get to watch a 60 second video to see the highlights from that report and at the end, I can say, download mm -hmm. the full report. And that's worked really, gotcha. really well because people seem to be more keen to say, oh, great, I've got 60 seconds to you know, learn the top three takeaways. But then once they've seen yep. that, then it's like, oh, I might as well get the full report as well while I'm here and, and check out the details. Right. So it can be a really simple way to, to do it, but you don't have to overthink those videos. They can be great ways to act as little teasers into that content. Did you hear that virtual intelligence and on-hand VAs actually merge? That's right. I was talking to Michael Cruz and checking out what he has there with his Colombian workers. And I said to him, dude, what's up? You realize you're not a VA, right? He said, what do you mean? I said, you're a VE. Look it up on ChatGPT. I encourage you to do that too. He's got forward-facing VEs. VEs that can answer the phone and take questions 30 days in. You say yes to Michael. I want what you have. In 30 days, that's what he delivers. I said, Michael, this is unbelievable. We're strong in the front, but we're really strong in the back end. You provide the external VE for us. We provide the internal VE. I looked at him, I said, buddy, let's do this together. Let's, let's do this. And he looked at me and he put out his hand and like a good solid Cuban American, he said, Jason, I'm committed, let's do it. And that's what we did. 
We flew to Columbia, we saw his operation, and you need to see it too. Give us a little click at Virtual Intel, that's with two L's, that's Virtual virtualintell.com. Go check us out, see what we're doing. High quality VEs mixed with technology, delivered right into your agency, and you don't have to do all the things that you don't like to do, like hiring, firing, requiring, recreating, trying to find processes. Just, there's so much stuff, I can't even say it right. That's right, Virtual Intel, cast certified. Very good. Well, that leads us into the next point, which is reinvent your ebooks and guides as engaging and memorable videos. So, again, turning your ebooks into educational videos or an episodic series to engage further communication with your audience. And the final uh, point that we have in the video for key campaigns um, and content is use creative storytelling to drive engagement in key lead generation programs. So you write that whether it's to promote an event, drive registration for a webinar, or re-engage your list of dormant prospects, video is going to tell the bigger story and again, allow you to utilize the four E's. So I'd like to talk a little bit about influitive V. I don't think I pronounced that correctly, but yeah. I'm sure that you, okay. Um, and how they created a memorable video experience for their conference, AdvoCamp. Um, and can you tell the loyal readers about Buck? <laughs> this is a great example from uh, you know a small tech company actually based not far from us here in Toronto, and uh, they run an annual user conference uh, like many technologies do mm -hmm. now. Technology companies, sorry, and uh, as as part of their promotion, they created this really spectacular video series featuring uh, uh, this character, this sort of fictional character named Buck. Uh, who really mm -hmm. brought the brand of the event to life and that they brought that through into video. So the event you mentioned is called AdvoCamp. So they were an uh, advocate marketing solution. So their event's called AdvoCamp and they play up the camp theme mm -hmm. very much at the physical event itself. Um, and they've got campfires okay. and these sorts of fun things that they do. So mm -hmm. Buck is the camp counselor, if you will. And he became kind of this iconic brand uh -huh. element of the event. And the videos that they use to promote the event, as you can imagine, instead mm -hmm. of just getting, hey, come to AdvoCamp and learn these things, you get these videos with Camp Counselor Buck, right? Who's this great character <laughs> who you can't help but click in and watch and go, all right, what's Buck going to say this time? And when you, you know, exactly. he's meant to be this almost funny, charismatic character. And he's walking you through these different scenarios. Um, they're funny, right? He's like tripping over things. He's like walking through campfires. And it, it it creates this level of engagement that's so different from a brand's perspective as just these other static oh, promotions. Right. And it creates a very different experience for people considering going to the event. Um, and it it's also becomes shareable, right? Like it's the kind of thing where mm -hmm. you share it around to people on your team and it's like, hey, check this out. Whether or not you want to go to AdvoCamp, check out what Buck is up to, right? It's like it creates a yep. whole different dynamic from your traditional types of promotions. That sounds great. And when they instituted this, um, you wrote in the book that they saw an 800% increase um, in click-through rates for that. So clearly Buck resonated um, with the audience. All right. So moving on to the uh, to the final checklist um, of part five, it's the virtual customer stories checklist. Um, so we're going to be obviously focusing on telling your client stories because every story helps you sell. And so we'll be reviewing chapters 51 and 52 here. So the first item on this checklist is use the power of video to infuse client stories with emotion and empathy. So videos provide you with the opportunity to turn your client testimonials into powerful stories. And now is the time to do it with how many people are getting used to using video for work. They have the tools, they have the experience. So just ask them now, what is some advice that you can give to loyal readers and how they should ask clients for video testimonial because they don't really have control over what's going to be said. Um, but what what kind of advice could you give to them? Well, I think it starts with, um, you know, approaching any of those clients that of course you have a good relationship with and letting them mm -hmm. know that you'd love to share their story, 
right? I, I don't, you know, don't approach them saying, can you film us a testimonial, right? That's, you know, it doesn't, that doesn't feel as enticing, but by approaching them and say, right. we'd love to share your story with um, other members of our community and other customers of ours um, so that they can understand, you know, how great and how successful you've been. And we were wondering if you would be open to, uh, you know, joining us in a video to share your experience and, and the results that you've seen and, and share a little bit more about your own story uh, and even a little bit more about yourself and the success that it's seen for you. Yeah. And I think just approaching it in that manner can really help people feel better about doing it. Um, you know, for many of them, you could talk about, hey, again, we want to share your story. It's not just your business's story. It's also you personally. And I think that's also right. a really important nuance of the opportunity for video to bring these customer stories to life because they can make them much more personal about the real people behind the stories. It's very different to right. see a, you know, Bank of America did this with 80% better. And, you know, here's a quote from mm -hmm. some VP at Bank mm -hmm. of America versus like a video with like three real people there that are like, this changed my life. Like this changed the way we do this. And it's like, it's very different. And so getting to those human stories becomes part of it. And, and again, approaching people in that way, I think can, can really help. Very good. Well, moving on to the next point on the checklist, it's planning is the most important stage of a visual customer story production. So what you want to do is prepare your questions ahead of time and identify at least two individuals to interview to get multiple perspectives on camera. And this gets back to what we talked about in episode two with using two cameras doing it during an interview process or the interview based video so that you can have those different shots and kind of keep the you know viewer engaged. And as a reminder, we talked a little bit more about this in episode one. Um, make sure you check out their website, thevisualsale.com, to learn about what type of equipment that you need to use. The book doesn't jump, go into, you know, you need to buy this camera or this lighting or use this piece of software, but there's more information that you can find out on the website because they're not able to keep it updated in a book that's already been printed. All right, so moving on to the next point, we have filming and production is also the most important stage. So be prepared with good lighting, clear audio, and two cameras for recording at different angles. Um, now, Tyler, I think I know the answer to this one, but just so that we can make sure uh, we settle it, what's better to have, clear audio or clear video? Clear audio is super important. People will listen to a video, even mm -hmm. if the quality isn't the greatest. Um, but if they're watching a great, beautiful video and the audio quality is choppy or not working very well, they'll turn it off because they can't understand it. So audio, audio, audio. So what are, so when people go out and even I did this myself, I went out, I bought a DSLR camera so I could shoot video and I just use the shotgun mic that came with it. Um, what type of microphone or what type of audio equipment should people be using? Because I think that they focus more on, oh, let me get this camera or that camera rather than getting the proper, you know, microphone. So what are some microphones yeah. that they should consider? Yeah, you're absolutely right. If I had $1,000 to spend, I wouldn't buy a $1,000 camera. I'd buy a $300 camera a or $500 camera, $300 audio, mm -hmm. and maybe $200 on lighting. Um, from an audio mm -hmm. perspective, what to think about, um, what a great solution is having what they're called the, the, the lavalier mics, the little ones that you can clip mm -hmm. onto your shirt right below your, uh, right below your chin. And those can mm -hmm. be really great, again, for picking up voice uh, when they're on somebody because the challenge with just the boom mic is if the camera is too far away um, or too close, you're yes. going to get varying levels. It's going to be picking up other noise. But those little lavalier mics are magical for doing, um, you know, interview based content and, and picking up people's voices. And they can also be um, wireless so that, again, they can have them on and you can be recording the audio back onto the camera or another mm -hmm. device. So that's a great way to do it. Um, and uh, But there's lots of other great options as well as you look around, depending on the style sure. of videos you're doing. Yeah, And I'm sure there's more information, again, on the visualsale.com about things like that. 
So uh, the next point on our checklist is, and post-production editing is also the most important stage. So we've had a lot of uh, important stages. Um, so <laughs> so post-production is where all the magic happens for your customer story. This is where background music, B-roll, and making you good, or making you look good happens. Um, and this is where the videographer becomes um, just instrumental, becomes so valuable because they have the skills, the knowledge, um, to be able to do all this. And maybe you're going to be amazing on camera, but when it comes to adding in that B-roll or in that music, um, maybe leave that up to the experts. And then our final point in uh, on this checklist is go beyond testimonials to make your customers truly relatable. So again, testimonials are one way to share client stories, but there are other ways too. Um, and you can focus on the individual or the business and not on your brand or products. So Tyler, what would your opinion be on for a business to provide to their clients, the tools, equipment, and the ability to produce some content and videos as a value add service to them? So basically saying, hey, I wanna come into your business and learn more about you so that you can share it with your clients, but then I can also share it with, with our clients and gain more exposure. Do you have any experience with that or any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's a it's a really interesting approach. And I, I have heard of, um, you know, quite a few others that are, are doing that and not only um, filming stories of their customers, but in some cases, they're also filming stories of non-customers who are in the markets that mm -hmm. they service as a way to get their perspectives on things, as a way to hear mm -hmm. about the challenges they're facing or how they're solving different problems. And I think what becomes really interesting with these, when you focus them more on their story as opposed to your product or your outcomes, is that the content mm -hmm. becomes much more relatable to other people within your market space and much more believable to them as well. And they now become pieces of video that become much more broadly used they're not just the testimonial yeah. for the end of the sales process to validate for someone, you know, they're just trying to check mm -hmm. the box and say, oh, do they have another, you know, do they have another customer? Yes, they do, right? We, we often just use them yeah. there, but those true genuine stories of our customers, that's really about them and what they're doing, those can be used in lots of different ways in our marketing and sales process. And so I think that's where a lot of the real magic is. And again, um, you know, working with customers in different ways to film those yourself, to have them create content with you. There's lots of different ways to approach it from a technology perspective. Oh, very good. Well, that concludes part five, and we're going to move into part six, which is not actually the last part of the book, but since we did that part, part seven with Marcus in episode one, this will be the final um, part that we'll go over. Um, so you write that in order to uh, build more personal relationships um, in part six, which is using video marketing in the post-sale stage. Um, your clients need to scale the video um, in a way that it's going to be the next best thing to seeing someone in person. So we're going to be covering chapters 54 through 59 as we go through this checklist. Um, so it's the video for customer marketing checklist. First item that we have, first point is use video-based tutorials to deliver exceptional onboarding and training at scale. So you want to use on-demand videos to educate your clients in a way that is clear, easy to follow, and builds your brand along the way. Um, Tyler, can you remind the loyal readers that the first 30 days are critical with the new client and using video can be particularly effective? Because sometimes you don't want to provide that dedicated one-on-one -on -one onboarding process. So you use video um, as a substitute or the next best thing. Can you kind of give some ideas of what type of video that they should be doing in this? Yeah, and this you know holds true for whether you're a, a software company, a hardware company, a services company, uh, you know, retail company. It, it holds true in any industry, and that's whatever it is mm -hmm. that you are selling to your customers. Um, you know, once they you know they come on board you know what they're going to go through to some degree in those first you know, 10 days, 30 days, 60 days, depending on what your product or service yep. is and what kinds of questions they're going to have, what kind of obstacles they're going to face, what they need to learn. And so what you yep. want to think about here is, is putting yourself in that mindset of going, if I were a new customer coming on, you know, what are the questions I'm going to need to have answered? 
you know, what are the, yeah. if it's a software product, right? I'm probably going to want to know how do I do this or how do I set this up? And you may be right. training people in person how to do those things, but having on-demand videos that they can also reference is so important because they're not always going to remember everything from the live training. Mm -hmm. There may be other people right. who are going to be responsible for managing your product or service um, who need to see that content. Right. So that's um, that's where it really comes down to is, you know, can they access that those those resources on demand as they need to to help them be successful? And one thing that I really like that you wrote about in, in this chapter was having micro demos done rather than creating a one long video, breaking it up into sections. Um, one, because someone may not want to watch an entire video um, to get to the point that they right. want to. But if that subject changes, you only have to go back and reshoot that five minute video and insert it back in. Um, but do you typically, when you have these micro demos where it basically all covers one subject, do you typically go ahead and edit them all together so there is one long one so that if someone wants everything and they just want to watch it all at once, they can do that? Or do you just stick with the like these micro demos? Um, what, what do you normally recommend there? Yeah, it depends a little bit on your market and, and what you expect is going mm -hmm. to be the best for your users. Um, but generally speaking, mm -hmm. uh, I like to keep them apart and make sure somebody always has access to you know, an online channel or a portal where they can now self-discover and walk them walk them through uh, these different items. And in many cases, you know, if, if you take, you know, in the, in the insurance market, for example, these aren't necessarily, you know, product walkthroughs, right? These may be answers to the common questions they're going to have um, related to something, or they may be walkthroughs or reviews of different, uh, you know, regulations or whatever it happens to be. Um, so I think they, they can take different forms, but I do like the idea of them being still separate, bite-sized, but you can make them sequential yeah. so that if you do put them in a channel um, or on a website, mm -hmm. if you can order them in a way that's logical so somebody can kind of walk through in a, yeah. in a way that makes it one long video, then that's uh, more the better. Yeah. Playlist on YouTube. Helpful. Um, yep. Then the next point on our checklist is use targeted video content to drive adoption and utilization. So you want to create short and engaging videos that clearly explain the benefits of key features of your products or services, and then publish these videos in a client knowledge center. Tyler, can you kind of give us a peek behind the curtains at Vidyard and how you all use these types of videos to drive adoption and utilization of your clients? Yeah, so this actually becomes, in some cases, a bit of an extension of some of those demo videos, but these can be done in different ways. And this is to mm -hmm. make sure that you know customers can clearly see how to use certain capabilities, why they would want to use them. Um, and, and again, it's clear the benefit that they're going to get from them. Um, again, for example, here at Vidyard, we have onboarding videos, as we were alluding to previously, mm -hmm. that explain different parts of our, of our product. And some customers will have different features and others you know, may not have those. So it makes it easy for them to find the ones that they're looking for. But as the extension to that is, if our you know, customer success manager who's working with an account realizes, mm -hmm. hey, this customer hasn't used this feature at all yet, they're 60 days in, and we know that it's going to increase their likelihood of not, you know, of churning at some point if they're not getting value from this feature, they have... Right. those short videos to be able to share with them and say, hey, I've noticed you haven't you know, tapped into the power of this feature yet. Here's an on-demand video that shows you how to get going with it and how you might use it within your business. Mm -hmm. And those can become really important assets, either sent one-to-one, -one, or you can build them into your automated communications uh, to your clients so that if you are able to detect, oh, they're not using a certain capability, they're automatically getting an email after three months, you know, with that content, reminding them how to, how to take advantage of it. Well, that's great. Well, let's move on to point number three on the checklist, which is use video to humanize your brand and connect your customers to your people. So you want to create a more personal and emotional connection to your brand as a way of increasing retention. 
Um, the next point is to light your customers and stay top of mind with culture-based content. And so this allows you and your business to create fun, engaging, and even personalized videos to celebrate things like holidays, pop culture train, cult, pop culture trends, or congratulate your customers yeah. on major milestones. Um, and then this would allow you to take that B2B or B2C to H2H. And I had never heard that before. Can you talk a little bit about what H2H is? Well, we often think about, you know, we're a business to business company or we're a business to consumer, but the reality is we're all human to human in what we do, which is mm -hmm. what H to H really stands for. And I, I like to be explicit in being mindful of that because a lot of these are about, hey, we, we do business with real people. And even though they yep. may be a company name or a, a customer number, right? They're real people, they're humans, they like to laugh, mm -hmm. right? Really important stat, right. Josh, 100% of humans like to smile and laugh. Right. It doesn't matter if they're, yes. you know, what, what market you're in. And so you mm -hmm. can never lose by putting a smile on somebody's face. And so there's lots of fun ways yes. that you can do that and build a more real personal connection through your content. And again, you know, just, just interesting videos, things that are really transparent and fun can actually go a long yeah. way in creating that great brand connection. Very good. Well, then that leads us into the final item on our checklist, which is empower account management and customer service with one-to-one -one video. So you're going to be able to take your visual client engagement strategy from a one-to-many to a one-to-one -one by empowering your team with the tools to deliver video-based messaging. So Tyler, can you kind of tell us briefly about what are the tools that Vidyard has that they can, that you know, the loyal readers can use to kind of make this all work? Well, a lot of this comes back to some of the things you spoke with Marcus about in, in episode one of this, mm -hmm. which is, um, you know, empowering your frontline sales reps, your customer service managers, your customer support and customer success managers, frankly, anybody working with clients with the ability mm -hmm. to use video as a way to deliver messages, to communicate ideas, and to um, you know help them be successful. And what's really interesting in today's world is I'm not just talking about you know Zoom calls or Teams calls, but also empowering uh, people to record and send custom videos mm -hmm. using their webcams, to record and send screen share right. videos. And in the case of things like a customer success or support they should be able to record a quick video to show a customer how to solve a problem, to walk them through how to, how to do something. Um, and they should be able to do that without hesitation because often that adds the personal touch, but it can also be a lot more helpful and more clear. Um, I've heard it from, from people time and again where they, they, they forward mm -hmm. me an email and saying, look what this customer, and, and, the, and, the, and it was they sent a video to a customer and the response back time mm -hmm. and again was, Thank you so much for sending that video. It made it um, extra clear and, and concise. I really appreciate you took the time to make that video and it goes such a long way. It does, it does. And with that, we've each reached the end of today's episode, the end of book four. So Tyler, thank you so much for joining me on book four, episode three of the visual sale. Can you remind the loyal readers the best way to get in touch with you? You can find myself on LinkedIn. Again, it's Tyler Lassard, and I'm with Vidyard. So you can find me on LinkedIn. You can also find me at tylerlassard.com. Um, so uh, yeah, please uh, check out there and you can uh, get lots of other good information about video, of course, and mm -hmm. uh, some of the other topics that I'm passionate about. Uh, any last thoughts that you want to leave the loyal readers with before we sign off today? Josh, I just reinforced one of the things we started with, which is we talked about a lot of different ideas here about how to use video mm -hmm. in different sales and marketing programs. And some of you may be at this point, your, your mind is scrambled and exploding with like, oh my gosh, there's so much to do here. But let me remind you that, you know, to pick your spots, you don't have to do all of these things. Um, think about your own marketing and sales programs. Think about where you believe video could help the most and start there. And it's as easy as that. Mm -hmm. Get going with it. Get comfortable. And once it becomes a part of your rhythm, it becomes really easy to take it to other marketing uh, and sales efforts. Um, so just get started. Lean into it. 
and lots of other tips, of course, in the book, The Visual Sales. So check it out. Thank you so much. And loyal readers, please make sure that you're subscribed to the Agency Intelligence Podcast. And if you have 60 seconds to spare today, would you please leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform? Because when you do that, others just like yourself will find us and we'll be able to impact more people because of you. If you haven't already purchased Tyler and Marcus's book, uh, check out the show notes below. There's going to be a link to purchase it on Amazon. Again, we are now on Instagram as explain this book to me with underscores in between each word. And we'd love if you can follow us there so we can connect with you outside of the podcast. If you have a question or a thought you'd like to share with me, then please email me. It's a josh at agency intelligence.com and loyal readers. Thank you for downloading the third episode of our fourth book of the explain this book to me podcast, where I sit down with authors, thought leaders, and visionaries to explain the book to you and have them answer the questions that I have. So remember to be safe, be healthy, and love everyone. This has been Josh Lipstone with Explain This Book to Me.